See, this, this room is full of all kinds of different stories where if I were to say, when was the first time you remember encountering God in your life? Some of you would say you remember as a child just being aware or being able to know that God existed. You didn't know how to have a relationship with Him, but you maybe remember what that felt like to connect with Him or to become aware of Him. Some of you would say, I've been through my entire life and everything I see makes me think that there may be not a God. I don't even know if I can say there's a God, and I don't know if I've ever encountered God. And you're sitting here tonight, and maybe for the first time in your life, you've actually felt something spiritual in your life, and you're like, what is this? I don't understand. People are singing, people are crying, people are raising their hands. What is all this stuff? I don't understand. I don't get it. It's completely foreign to me. But tonight may be the first time where you've encountered God in a real way where it opens your mind to the possibilities that what if God is real and what if God really does want to have a relationship with you. See, when we look at Scripture, there is all kinds of examples and stories for us to learn from. There's stories in the Bible of every kind of a life that you can imagine. Some of you in here think, there's nobody that's lived a life like me. Oh yeah? In this book, there's some crazy dudes that have really, really lived some lives. Trust me, there's nothing new that you've done or that you've been through that isn't in here some way, somehow. And all of these stories, all of these records for us all point to one singular thing. And that singular thing is that God not only just wants to encounter us, but that God actually wants to enter in to a relationship with us that results in us learning how to live with God, with us learning what this world looks like when we put on God's perspective and when we learn how to live in connection with God. The Bible uses a term that is kind of an old word that isn't used very often in our modern understanding or in our modern society, but this word was very familiar in the day of Jesus. And the word that we're talking about is the word disciple. Disciple is a word that literally means to become a student, a pupil, or a follower of somebody else. To give you a little bit of historical background, in the day of Jesus, it was very common for there to be religious teachers. Now, we have religious teachers in our day, too, but they don't look quite the same. But how many of you have ever been up late at night, 2 in the morning, and some dude is trying to sell you for 1995 exactly what you need, and all you got to do is just pick up the phone and make three easy payments, and you're going to have whatever it is that you're looking for. And they sucker you in, and they, and they pull you in with their compelling stories and their examples, and you're just like, that's what I need. Well, there's people that actually will become a student of that person, of what they're teaching. And in Jesus' day, the religious leaders had followings. They would teach their understanding about God. And how many of you know that we need all the help we can get to understand God? And if some dude says, hey, I understand God, follow me and I'll tell you all about him, we're going after that guy. We're like, yeah, okay, I want to hear what this guy has to say because we all need help to understand God. And so in Jesus' day, it was very common to become a disciple of somebody, to be a follower of them, or at its core, to become a pupil, a student. I want to learn 
what this guy has to say. And I want to learn how he has to say it. Well, Jesus, when he began to explain his understanding of God, he began to teach in a way that they had never heard before. And he began to use concepts that were very foreign to the culture and to the people of his day. And people wanted to follow Jesus when they heard it. Because he was taking not just the rules, but he was adding a powerful ingredient. He was adding love. I had a conversation with a good friend of mine a few days ago that was talking about his background as a Buddhist. And how when he came close to God, he had this understanding that we in America have really shallow concepts when it comes to God. And so he started to explore Eastern religions, and he found Buddhism, and he, he said, I was intrigued by Buddhism because it went so much deeper than what I was surrounded about around here. But when he encountered the, he encountered the teachings of Jesus, he found that not only did Jesus go deeper than the Eastern teaching that he had heard, but Jesus added love into his teaching, which changed everything. And it went so deep that he said, I had no reason in the world to dabble with Buddhism ever again because I had found what I was looking for in the understanding of Jesus. Jesus wants for you and I to become his disciples. Point blank. The end of the journey for you and I when we encounter God is for us to become a pupil, a student, a follower of Jesus to understand his teachings, to understand his life, and more importantly, the deepest thing, to understand the love that Jesus demonstrated. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to another story. We're going to read an encounter of a man who came face to face with Jesus and his teachings. This is a familiar story for many of us. But as we look at it tonight, I think we will see things a little bit differently than we have before. In the book of Mark, in chapter 10, it says, As Jesus was starting out on a trip, a man came running up to Jesus, and he knelt down, and he asked, Good teacher, what should I do to get eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But as for your question, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't testify falsely or lie. Do not cheat. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was a child. Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. Jesus said, you lack only one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went sadly away because he had many possessions. He was rich. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for rich people to get into the kingdom of God. Now this amazed them, 
But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is very hard to get into the kingdom of God. This story of this guy encountering Jesus is so typical for us. Not the rich part. Some of us in this room are not rich. Some of us in this room don't have many possessions. But the way we approach God is typical of what this guy said. You know what this guy said to Jesus that is so typical of you and me? He comes to Jesus and he says, What must I do? What must I do to get this all? What must I do to be able to understand God? What must I do to be able to have eternal life? What must I do to do the things that I want to do in my life? You see, you and I intuitively, because of, because of society and because of the world we live in, we have been conditioned to believe a lie. And the lie that we believe, whether we'll admit it or not, is that we believe that salvation begins with us. We believe that in some way we have a part to play in our salvation. Because we can't accept what Jesus really did. The way that Jesus did it. Because it goes against everything that makes sense and logic to us. Grace and, and us not getting what we deserve. It just can't make sense. But the reality is, is that when we come to God and we say, what must I do? The answer that he overwhelmingly gives us, and it's found throughout all of the teaching in scripture and all of the stories of Jesus, the overwhelming answer that he gives every single time is, you must abandon yourself and follow me. You must abandon yourself. See, this guy came to Jesus and Jesus is like, hey, you want to have eternal life? Keep the commandments. See, Jesus was testing his heart too to see where was this guy at. And the guy's like, oh, I got it. I'm good. I've done it all. But you don't understand that in this culture, they really needed to understand where they stood because they had a lot of laws and a lot of rules to follow. And these laws and rules made it really clear which side of the aisle you were on. And so this Jesus guy comes along and he says, I have a different way to know God. And it's about your heart. And it's about being my disciple and following me and having love. And this guy's like, okay, I need to know for myself, where do I stand? And Jesus is like, sell everything you got. The guy's like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't do that. I can't sell everything I've got. I've got a lot. Do you know how much money I've got in the bank? I can't sell all that. And Jesus is like, okay. The thing about this story that is so incredible to me is that just before Jesus lays this heavy thing on him, the Bible says that Jesus responded and felt genuine love for his questions. He loved this man. He didn't come at him with a heavy fist. He didn't come at him going, Oh, you want to follow me? Let me show you how hard it is, buddy. You're not up to this task. No. Jesus loved him. 
Because genuine love tells the truth. See, I love you. And that's why i got to tell you the truth. If you want to know God, if you want to have a relationship with God, there are certain things in your life right now that you're going to have to abandon because they're keeping you from having a relationship with God. I would love to be able to tell you everybody's good, you're all fine, hey, I love you just as you are, and that's a true statement. But if I really love you, I've got to tell you the truth. Abandon yourself and follow Jesus. See, Jesus requires that we lose the selfish pursuits of everything that we have lived our whole life thinking is a big deal. Some of us were raised by a father or a mother who told us, son, daughter, if you want to be somebody in this world, then you've got to do it for yourself. And you've got to get out there, and you've got to get up early, and you've got to work hard. And if you want to make something of yourself, it's all about how much money you make, how much money you save, how much money you put in the bank. That's how you keep score, son. That's how you keep score, daughter. This is what is important. And that's what we've taught, and it's what's been ingrained in us. And so we've lived our whole life thinking, that's what mattered. And Jesus has said, if you want to follow me, you have to abandon yourself, including what you have lived your entire life thinking was a big deal. Relationships. Some of us are lonely tonight. And we are truly convinced that what we really need is a woman or a man. And everything that we do stems from that. Every decision we make stems from I need a mate. I need a relationship. I need somebody to make me happy. My friend, you have to be willing to abandon even that for the sake of following Jesus. Everything. At the core, following Jesus means that we come empty-handed. We don't bring what we've got to Jesus and say, Lord, I know how to make money. Or, Lord, I'm a really good guy and I have got this really hot chick and this is what it's all about. Or, Lord, you know, I can do this or I can do that. Or, God, I just, you know, I like everything about this message and I like everything about, you know, Scripture and all this good stuff. But, God, I've got this addiction that I just, I'm just not done with it yet. I like it. What do you want me to do, God? Coming to Jesus as his disciple, as his pupil, as his student, means you come empty-handed. And that's why this story speaks so loudly to you and me tonight. Because this guy went down the list, and at the end of the list was the heart. And Jesus is like, I want it all. And this guy wanted to bring his money to Jesus. He wanted to bring what his life had built. And that's a hard statement. Because some of our lives have built some really good stuff. And I'm not here to tell you tonight that you have to leave your job, walk out on your family, you know, stop wearing, you know, clean clothes and eating in restaurants. And I'm not saying any of that stuff. Because Jesus wasn't talking about that either. Jesus was talking about the condition of this man's heart. And this man's heart was self-dependent. And he wanted to take care of himself. And Jesus is like, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. Now, you know what the beautiful thing about this? 
the beautiful thing about this is that this is not new to you and me tonight. Some of you are right now are holding your breath. It's okay, breathe. Come on. You can do it. There you go. You feel better? We all need oxygen. Some of you are just like, wow, what am I going to do with this? I want to show you the beautiful thing about this amazing grace of Jesus. We don't bring what we have to the table with God. We come empty-handed. And that means that we start over. That means that when we come, we let go of the things in our life that we have allowed to give us a false sense of security. We let go of the things that we have held on to tightly, thinking, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what I dream of, this is what I have to have. We come and we let go of these things. But the beautiful thing about all of this is that all of us sitting here tonight have not somehow stumbled upon God. We have not somehow just mistakenly entered this building tonight or had an encounter with God. God arranged the encounter with you. You see, this whole thing that we do on Saturday nights, this whole thing that many of us know in our life to have a relationship with God, is not about us finally opening up the missing thing that everybody else has been looking for and go, oh, I found God and nobody else knows about. No, it's not about us. God has been calling us to himself. God has been pulling us to himself. God has been saying, Jason, Todd, Michael, Tim, I want you. Come to me. I want to have an encounter with you. I want to have a relationship with you. God is the one that's compelling us by the gravity of God to come close to Him. And that should make you feel so good. Because if God wants you, then God knows how to take care of getting you through what it looks like to abandon yourself and follow God. How serious is God about having a relationship with us? See, many of us ask the question to each other, well, how serious are you about God? I would rather ask you tonight, how serious do you think God is about you? How serious is God about having a relationship with you? Look at what it says in the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God speaks to this man, and his words ring true to you tonight. God says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were even born, I set you apart. And Jeremiah, I appointed you as my spokesman of the world. Do you see what the beginning of that sentence says? God says that he knew you before you existed. That's how crazy God is about wanting to have a relationship with each of us. God wants to know you so radically 
that before he formed us and breathed life into us, he knew us. I'm going to have Cassie come up here in just a minute. Come on up here, Cass. One of the things that um, you and I go through in life is ups and downs and seasons. And uh, in those seasons of life, sometimes they're awesome and they're full of joy and they're so full of happiness and they're so full of good. And sometimes we go through seasons that they're terribly hard and difficult. They drain us. They take everything we got out of us. But in those seasons, God encounters us. God shows us who He is. And Cass has something on her heart tonight that she's going to share with us. Open up and hear. And hear. Let me see. Yeah, it's on. There you go, girl. Is this one better? Oh, yeah. I can step back. It's fine. Um, my mama passed away a couple weeks ago. And I would have to say it's the hardest thing I've ever gone through. And I can really relate to what Jason was saying about it just being you and Jesus. And having that relationship. Because even though I have friends and I have the greatest husband in the world, when it came down to it, it was just me and Jesus. And the love he showed me was amazing. And I don't want to be morbid, but I kind of have to give you a little bit of the background for you to understand how amazing it was. My mom has been slip, was slipping away for five years. She had Alzheimer's and she digressed really fast um, so she hasn't really been my mom for a long time and so I've already felt like I've already grieved her but when I got there because I felt like I had to be there when she took her last breath it was still my mom My dad was there, I was there, Jesse was there, and my sister. And so for two nights, we listened to her labored breathing, wondering if it was going to be her last breath. Suffice to say, we didn't really sleep much. And as this happened, I started getting angry with God. I thought, this woman who is my mom, right? I don't understand why you're taking her this way. She doesn't look like my mom anymore. She lost something like 60 pounds. Her eyes were sunken in. Her mouth was open the entire time and never closed. My daughter rubbed salve on her lips so they wouldn't dry out. 
And what Ethan did is gasping for air for a really long time. So the last night before she passed away, I woke, dozed off and I woke up and I was scared. And I went and laid in the hospital bed with my dad. And I talked to God from my heart and I said, I don't understand why she's dying like this. Why do I have to take her this way? And why do I feel like you're abandoning me? Now I know because I've been raised in church that he was there all the time. But there's that thing inside of you that says, why don't you show yourself? And I think that uh, Thomas in the Bible, I think he gets a really bad rap. Because he really wanted to see. And at that moment, I really wanted to see. And I prayed and I said, God, if you are really here, then please show yourself to me. I want to see an angel. I want to see something really miraculous. Or I want to see a light. Or I want to see something. And it didn't happen. I dozed back asleep, woke up again in about 6 in the morning. My dad woke us all up, seeing it's happening. We all came around her, we all laid our hands on her. And for 35 minutes, every breath was like the last one. And I had resigned myself, that God was not going to show himself. My dad prayed for her, read something beautiful. And as soon as he was done praying, my mom tilted her head back. And she took three quick breaths. Now you have to understand, she hadn't, no face expressions. She hadn't done anything. She took three quick gasps of air and she smiled. And at that moment I knew he was there. And he loved me enough to hear me and to answer me. And that song that we sang tonight just brings on a whole new meaning. I called and you answered. You came to my rescue and now I just want to be where you are. And my mama is where the Lord is. Thank you all for your prayers.